as I've gotten older, I've learned that competition is really putting yourself in situations where you can grow. And it's about the journey and about the growth. And, uh, and man, that was really, really hard. I wish I would have learned that at a much younger age. I probably really haven't, John, learned that. But in about the past 10 years, you know, that uh, failure, uh, putting yourself in situations where you might fail, but you've got to scratch, claw, and figure it out and learn mm. is where the ultimate growth comes from. And that's what competition is all about. Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast powered by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are a one-size-fits-all helmet cover that help reduce impact for your players during practice. Coach Perry is a huge proponent of Guardian Caps after using them at Pearl High School, and it was one of the first football items he purchased when taking a job at Nick. Caps are mandated by the NFL for O-line, D-line, linebackers, tight ends, and running backs, and utilized by over 270 colleges, over 3,000 high schools, and over 600 youth programs across the country. As helmets become more and more expensive, the Guardian Caps also do a great job of protecting your helmet investment. See the link in our show notes for more information on Guardian Cap. In each episode, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. Okay, welcome to the show today. I've got an outstanding guest that I think you're going to fall in love with. He's a guy that I've known probably since he was 18 years old. It's Will Hall. He's the head football coach at the University of Southern Miss um, as we speak. Uh, going back, he played quarterback at Amory High School, played quarterback at Northwest Junior College, where I got to see him play one night where I think he set every record in the world for throwing touchdown passes in a game. Um, transferred to North Alabama, where he won the Harlan Hill as the, you know, the Division II Heisman Trophy winner at North Alabama. And then, and I may miss a jump or two because I know there's been a bunch, okay? Started out as an assistant at, I know, West Alabama. I know there was a stop before that, but was at West Alabama, became the head coach at West Alabama, became the head coach at West Georgia, then went back to be an assistant at University of Memphis, University of Louisiana Lafayette, and now is the head coach at USM, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know at the time we're taping this, you have a thousand things to do, but I'm very appreciative. Oh, no problem, John. Thank a lot of you, obviously. And uh, the way the way you and I met was, you know, you were my dad's O-line coach and uh, y'all hit it off and became dear friends and still are to this day. And then we developed our friendship and uh, it's been fun to watch you and uh, winning a state title at Pearl was big and now doing what you're doing at Nick's has been awesome to see and I've got great respect for you as a lifelong learner. Well, I would not be doing any of that without your dad, as you well know. I mean, he is uh, my ultimate mentor. And then, you know, as I got to know him from a football standpoint, I kind of jumped ship from the Bobby Hall train to the Will Hall train and, and, you know, the shotgun stuff and all of that. And, you know, without you, we would not be as successful as we have. Okay, this is my first question. They say a lot of times things are caught and not taught. What do you want your sons to catch from you? Oh, man, that's a great one. I've never actually heard that, but that that's so true, I think. I think obviously that means uh, things that are caught are, are caught from people that, we're around a lot and also that we want to emulate. 
And, uh, yeah, I've got two boys. They're 15 and 12 now. And uh, I think the thing that, number one, I would want them to catch from me is the way I treat people. Uh, I try to always be uh, a person that never reacts. I don't ever want to be a reactor as a leader. Uh, every decision you make when you're in charge of people, there's a ripple effect after it. And uh, you always want to think, what are those four to five ripples down the road going to look like before I make this decision? Uh, because there is going to be a ripple effect. And if you can if you can hit 100% on what those four to five ripples are going to look like, you know, then you probably made a pretty good decision with what you were trying to do. Uh, I always try to treat others the way I would want to be treated. Uh, you know, I try to never talk down to people, even though I'm in charge. That's just not the way I was raised and the way I think that, you know, ultimately Jesus would want to, would want to, would want us to do. Um, so that's the big thing that I think I want our kid. And then, you know, a competitive nature that understands that it's not always about the result. Uh, and that was hard for me as a young kid. Uh, I, I grew up in a household where we won almost every week. Uh, I, To be quite honest with you, I felt like winning was what competition was all about. As I've gotten older, I've learned that competition is really putting yourself in situations where you can grow. And it's about the journey and about the growth. And, uh, and, man, that was really, really hard. I wish I would have learned that at a much younger age. I probably really haven't, John, learned that. But in about the past 10 years, you know, that uh, failure, uh, putting yourself in situations where you might fail, but you've got to scratch, claw, and figure it out and learn mm. is where the ultimate growth comes from. And that's what competition's all about. And uh, I hope – I hope my kids see that in me, a guy that that that's a find a way guy with a from an attitude perspective and enjoys the journey and is trying to constantly always find the solution to problems. Man, that's an outstanding answer. And I can understand, you know, growing up with your dad, Bobby Hall, who won well over 300 games and is um, one of the best high school football coaches to ever come through the state of Mississippi. He's in the Hall of Fame. You know, you take for granted that, you know, you just win all the time, you know, like that's what you do. And that's not reality. And, you know, it can, um, you know, that can that can lead to some thinking that's not necessarily the best, because in life you're not going to win all the time. You know, like life's going to slap you upside the face from time to time. And um, I think that answer for your kids is great. Um, let me ask you this. What about, you know, on the same hand, what did you catch? from your dad, you know, what did you catch by growing up the son of a coach, by getting dropped off, you know, at the high school field house at a young age, you know, and growing up in that household, what did you catch from him? Well, one, one thing I want to add to what you just said before I go into that, you know, when you talk about winning all the time and how it's not real life, you know, if you are winning all the time, then you're probably not challenging yourself in the arena you should be in. I compare it with our players to, uh, riding a bicycle with tri with uh with uh training wheels on. Sure. You know, you learn to ride a bicycle with training wheels on, and you're winning every day, man. You're rolling. You're riding that bicycle with training wheels, but that's not what you were destined to do. You know, you were destined Amen. to take those training wheels off, and when you do, you probably fall. But through the falls, you learn to ride a bike the real way, and you're putting yourself into a harder, more complicated arena. And there's going to be failure there, but there's also going to be growth there that leads to bigger successes. And so, uh, 
you know, any time in life you're, you're, you're caught somewhere where you're winning all the time, you probably, you know, there's, there's accentuating circumstances, obviously. Uh, Georgia and Alabama win all the time too, but sure. they're already at the, you know what I mean? But, sure. but y'all understand what I'm saying, but, but with you, so what did I catch from dad? That was the yep. question. Yep. That dad had an unbelievable ability to create belief in everybody that was around him. I think wow. you would agree with that. Um, dad, the, the, the power of positive thinking, that book, like my dad lived that book. My dad lives that book to this day. My dad's one of those people that, man, you just, he could take the average play. My dad won so many games with average high school football players and he worked them hard and they believed in him and he created a belief in them uh, that they thought they were good players and they became good players. The old saying of treat a man as he is, he'll become what he should be or treat a man what he should, how he should be, he'll become what he should be. Mm-hmm. Treat a man as he is, he'll remain as he is. I mean, we won state titles in Amory with 190-pound guards and was ranked 15th, 16th in the nation because dad had those guys believing they were yeah. had come Nate Newton. You know, and uh, so that that's the thing I tried to catch from him the most. You know, and I think I've been asked a bunch of times, you know, like what was special about Bobby Hall? What was special about Marcus Bowles? And my answer has always been their belief was so strong and so real. It was not a false belief. It was not, you know, we're going to tell them we believe, but they honest to God believed deep down in their soul that they were going to win every single game they ever went into, you know, and that bled through every single player. You know, the first year I met your dad was, you know, when I went to Wayne County with him and, you know, they had just come off a four and six, four and seven season. I think we went 10 and two the first year, um, I guess, and, and only year that we were at Wayne County, but, you know, there was a left tackle and I still remember this day. He weighed 165 pounds you know, in the biggest classification. But this dude thought he was the baddest man on the planet. And that was, you know, honestly, I'm glad you said that because that is the gift that your dad has, you know, like the belief and, you know, how how would you, you know, being around him, you know, how, how did that, you know, like how did that, how did that transfer to the players? Like, how did you see that transfer as far as, um, you know, his core belief, but then it did transfer to the players to where they believe they were going to win every single game. You know, like how, how does that happen? I think number one, I think dad's always been a, and I, and I try to be this way, a, a person that always says there is a way to figure it out. Um, you know, it's not always easy, but there is a pathway to success, you know, and uh, you know, for some, Things come easy, and for some things come hard. But if you want it bad enough, you can work your way into there. You know, skill. There's talents and there's skills. Talent is what it is, but skills can be learned and trained, no doubt, and developed. And uh, you know, man, I think I think Dad was great at putting young kids at the position they were going to be in in the seventh grade, and they were trained and developed, and skills were developed, and they were tough. And he believed in them. He would point out growth. And, uh, you know, like I said, there was never a, you know, like you said, he 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 had a strong belief in himself and the way he was working and the way that he was figuring it out. And so, uh, you know, belief doesn't come from being lazy usually. 
You know, belief comes from, you know, belief comes from figuring it out sure. and implementing a plan and seeing when you're seeing growth and you're seeing development, it makes it a whole lot easier to believe. Yeah, no doubt. And when you are all in, you know, like life's so much better, you know, and that guy is all in, you know, like, and it is all in with, with the players, with the assistant coaches, with the whole program. And, you know, it's awesome. Let me ask you this, you know, like with me, you know, I'll say this, John, you know, I was a short guy that played quarterback and, uh, you know, I'm five, seven and three quarters barefooted. And, you know, from the moment I was a young kid, you know, he told me, he said, you know, you can be a quarterback if that's what you want to be, but you're going to have to outwork everybody. And you're probably, you know, you're going to have to make sure that everything you can control, you control. you got to get as quick as you can. You've got to get as strong as you can. You've got to outwork everybody. You've got to learn the game better than everybody. He said, but there is a pathway for you to be successful, you know. And I took that to heart, you know. And, and uh, you know, I, I think I think that's – I think creating belief is also creating a plan towards success that is something a kid can attain and see growth. You know, I think, and I I think this often about you, you know, in particular is your path to play quarterback at five, seven, five, eight, you know, what a challenge that was from the very beginning, you know, like I'm not real sure that the junior college that, you know, system that you grew up in didn't really want you, you know, so you had to find another place to go. And then I think those challenges have helped make you who you are, you know, and I think that is a byproduct of your dad being, you know, who he is. What did you learn personally about being a kid with big dreams, but being a quarterback that's five foot seven and three quarters, as you describe it, and learning how to play the game at a very high level because, you know, you're an All-American at Northwest. You go to North Alabama and freaking win the Harlan Hill, right? That People don't do that normally, right? I mean, they just yeah. don't, you know, when they're vertically challenged at your position, you know, like how did you overcome the thoughts or how did you do that, you know, because I'm sure it was a challenge. Yeah, so number one, uh, what we talked about with uh, knowing the pathway to success for me, you know, I couldn't do anything about how tall I was. I couldn't do anything about how fast I was, limited. You know, you you can get a little faster. But, man, I could control if I was one of the top five strongest people on the team pound for pound. I could control if I was the smartest person on the team. I could control if I knew the game. I could control if I got more accurate. Uh, I could control – if I could check the plays better than anybody else. And uh, so that's what I always focused on. I think the thing that it made me understand is that it really doesn't matter, uh, you know, what what other people say to you or think as long as you are progressing. You know, everywhere I went, there was a bigger guy. You know, when I got to Northwest, like you said, Itawama Community College was my hometown JUCO, and they didn't offer me. So I go to Northwest and uh, split time my first year going into my second year. We, we signed a transfer from Florida, you know, and he's 6'4", and he comes in, man, he's pretty, and he can throw it all over the yard. And he was signed to beat me out, no doubt. He was more talented than me. Sure. But he couldn't play as good as me. And uh, and I beat him out. And then we go 
you know, to North Alabama. And we've got a six five guy there that ended up playing tight end in the NFL. And we've got another kid there that was six two that had been starting. And immediately there's always doubts, right? Because when people walk in a room, they're gonna they're gonna gear towards those guys. When you're out there throwing and doing agilities and all that, man, they're six five and they're throwing it forever. I couldn't control that. And just as a young kid going through that and learning that I can control what I can control and what is my pathway to success and learning to focus on that has definitely been huge for my coaching career because that's what coaching is, right? I mean, we can't control, you know, I can't control what Troy and South Alabama are doing right now. You know, I can't control what's going to happen in recruiting two years from now. I can't control NIL and the portal, but I can control how Southern Miss football is running. Amen. And, and where we're headed. And uh, and I think over a long – I think doing things the right way and outworking people eventually went out over time. No doubt. Let me ask you this, because you have been around some really, really good coaches, you know, probably the best coach being your dad, but you've been around some really good coaches as well that I know was influential on you, whether it was Bobby Franklin or Bobby Wallace or guys that you've worked with. You know, who were some of them that influenced you and what did you grasp from them? Like, what did you learn? You know, what was your takeaway? You know, and I'm sure there was a bunch, but, you know, what was one or two things that you that you took away from some of those people that, you know, you were lucky enough to have in your life as coaches? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combine it all together and then I'm going to go through it individually. But number one, I played for my dad in high school. We were an under center veer option developed in a midline team that led the state of Mississippi in scoring, okay? Then I went to Northwest Community College. My offense coordinator was Scott Maxfield, who's the all-time winningest coach in Henderson State history now, Division II. And we were cutting edge, no huddle, uh, four-wide tempo when nobody else was, and we led the nation in scoring. Then I went to North Alabama and played for Mark Hudspeth and Kenny Edenfield, uh, who were at Gulf Shores High School doing a great job down there. Now, of course, Coach Hud was the head coach at Louisiana Lafayette. And uh, and and uh, Coach Edenfield was the offensive coordinator at Troy in South Alabama later in their careers. But we combined the under center option with the gun, and we led the conference in scoring and offense. And the thing I learned from playing in those three very different systems was I think it subconsciously taught me and it created a belief in me that there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. But you can out-coach people. You can schematically get an angle on them and a one-up on them. Because we didn't have the best players in the state at Amory, but we went 15-0. and At Northwest, we probably did have the best players in the state. Uh, At at North Alabama, we didn't have the best players, you know, but we went undefeated and won the conference. We had good players. But it taught me that you can out-coach people and that football is ultimately about math and numbers and leverage. And – uh. You know, double teams. If I if, if you're 300 and I got two 190 pounders, but we double team you, I can get after. Sure. You know, down blocks and angles and leverage can work. So I learned that and created a belief in me that you can't out coach people. You know, and then but, uh, you know, we talked about dad a lot, but going to to, to Maxfield and Bobby Franklin at at, at uh, Northwest, the one thing I really learned there was, man, if you've got Really, 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 really good players. Like things are really easy. 
Sure. You know, I I set all those junior college records, John, and uh, a lot of them were bubbles and tunnel screens. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? I That's mean, like, sure. and I'm not being, I'm not just being humble right now. I mean, it's just the facts. Sure. I mean, we had great, great players. It was the first time in my life that I had played on a team where when you walked out on the field, you knew you were going to win, even if you didn't play great, you know, and, uh, and so that, that, and, it, but, but I will say this about Coach Franklin, Coach Maxfield, the way they handled those great players, because, you know, handling great players can be taxing. Sure. They were always ready to play on game day. We didn't always sweat the small stuff there. Well, they knew how good we were, and we never let silly things get in the way of making sure we were ready to play sure. on game. You know, I'll be honest with you, man. We had, you know, we never wore the same stuff at practice. We ne- and it was the first time in my life that that had, I would have been in that environment either. And I kind of learned, hey, man, sure. sometimes that don't matter either. You know what I mean? Sometimes it does. Sure. Uh, you got to be you. And Coach Franklin ran a program way different than my dad did. But they were themselves every day, and it worked, and they were pure. Um, then I got to North Alabama, and Coach Hood – again, was, uh, you know, some more similar to my dad. Uh, I, I learned organization from him. I still learn it from him to this day. He's the most unbelievably organized human being I know. Uh, you know, he is a builder of programs. He's done it everywhere. He's doing it again at Gulf Shores right now. Right. He's a guy with an undying belief and vision in everything he does. And uh, great motivator, great speaker. And uh, – you know, so 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 those are all things I tried to take from those guys. Sure. Well, you know, I know being around so many coaches, you know, has been a blessing for you. Going back just a little bit, what about, you know, what would you say the influence of playing multiple sports on your, you know, playing career? Like how how would you say that affected, you know, you being able to play quarterback as long as you did? Unbelievable effect. So I was an all-state basketball player as well. And playing point guard to me impacted my ability to play quarterback more than any quarterback camp I went to, any quarterback training session I went to growing up, anything. To me, and I and I love recruiting quarterbacks that are basketball players and soccer players, because think about it. If you're dribbling the ball down the court on a three-on-two fast break, or you're going down the middle of a soccer field on a three-on-two, that is just slant flat reps, curl flat reps over and over and over again. Uh, Finding people cutting into windows in basketball is – and then the uh, quickness and the agility. I mean, playing basketball, defending somebody in basketball is the best agility drill you can do any day of the week. That's better than any dot drill, any jump rope drill, anything. No doubt. Getting your butt down, butt down, chest up, and keeping somebody in front of you and shading them to their left hand and defending them and and help side defense. Like that is, man, that is high-speed decisions. You can't simulate them. People all the time talk about we just can't get the quarterback enough real reps, real reps. Let them play basketball and soccer. That's that's playing quarterback the whole time they're playing. And and so uh, it was huge for me. Huge for me. And obviously the toughness and traits that football builds in you obviously made me a better basketball player. Sure. I played baseball too, uh, and I'm big a proponent of playing everything. 
But because I was little, this is another way my dad was a great father and, again, a real leader. He brought me in after my seventh grade year and said, look, man, you're really little. You're not going to be big. For you to be successful, you're going to have to find time to be in the weight room. So I would suggest you don't have to. I would suggest you drop one of these three sports. I don't care which one it is, where you can spend that part of the year in the weight room. And so I ended up letting baseball go, uh, and 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 that and and then man, I lived in the weight room. You know? huh. Well, that goes back to you know you can't do anything about the vertical side of your life, but you can do something about everything else. Um, all right, let me ask you this. I, I asked Ryan Hawk this the other day, and he gave a great answer. I just want to get your take on it. I asked him what were some things, you know, about playing quarterback that you had to unlearn or, you know, things that it taught you that, you know, probably wasn't the best thing in the world to learn. And this was his answer. And I just want to know what, what you think about this. He said, playing quarterback, I learned that it was a zero sum game. In other words, for me to be successful, every other quarterback in the room had to be unsuccessful. So, you know, when I started out life, I wanted to hoard all the information and not share it, not help other people be better because, you know, like I was taught from um, the time he was five years old at a quarterback that for me to win, you have to lose. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's your thoughts on that? You know, was the, have you ever thought about that? You know, like I thought it was pretty uh, a pretty interesting deal. Yeah, I, I'm not saying I disagree with him. I don't know that I all the way agree with him. Because um, it kind of goes back to what we talked about with competition too. You know, the better, sure, the, the better people you have in your room around you, it's either going to sink you or it's going to push you. We talk all the time within our program. We've got players in our program that competition absolutely crushes. Them. Sure, you know they just can't wrap their head around it and rise to the top like it just. They would be better off if they were the only good player in the room. No doubt. And uh, we have other players that embrace it and understand it and keep getting better and better. So things that I had to learn, unlearn at quarterback, though, I think the hardest thing for me going into coaching was when I played quarterback, because I was a coach-on-the-field type player, I had so much control over the game. Sure. And going to coaching, you actually have less control than you did when you were playing quarterback. And that was really difficult on me early in my career because I started calling plays at 25 years old and uh, 24 years old. And I had to figure out ways to streamline that, to get that kid to do what I wanted him to do and, uh, and, and, and learn to teach that way. Um, kind of unlearning things at quarterback. I don't know, man. I'm I'm thankful for having played quarterback. Sure. Uh, you know, I think it the 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 pressure of playing quarterback. I think prepares you to be successful or prepares you to be in leadership positions. Let me ask you this, because I think you know, I think in in this um, world we live in, I think sometimes being a Hall of Fame player does not help you be a Hall of Fame coach. I think those are very hard to do. I think some of the greatest coaches in the world had very average careers, you know, and I think, you know, 
to my question is this, like you played quarterback at an extremely high level, right? I mean, all the yep. stats, all the glory, all the, you know, you got every award that you could get. Well, how much of a struggle is it when you now coach quarterbacks, you know, because your expectations are sky high, you know, and they're not going to, they're not going to be, you know, they may not match your expectations all the time. Like, is that a challenge, you know, mentally coaching those guys, you know, from being having played that position at such a high level? I think, I think the coach, I think players that were good players because they maximize everything God gave them end up being good coaches. Whereas players that were so talented, they sure. usually don't, you know what I mean? Sure. Because, uh, Coaching man, you're you're finding answers and solving problems every day and maximizing what you've got at that particular moment in time. The thing I've had to learn with coaching quarterbacks through the years is the way I played the game and what made me successful is not going to be every kid that I coach at that position. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, Brett Favre played the game way different than Joe Montana did. Both were very successful. Uh, Pat Mahomes is way different than Tom Brady in their approach and the way they succeed. We could call, we could call the same ten plays in a row versus the same coverages with Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, all of them, and we would get way different results. Way different results. Sure. And. But ultimately, success is success, and product productivity is productivity. And uh, a learning that there's a few things I'm non-negotiable on. Uh, you know, number one, my quarterback's got to be a tough guy. He's got to be a guy that when things are hard, he doesn't waver. And our quarterback's got to be accurate. Those are the two things. And then my quarterback, for me, he's got to be a servant leader. He's got to be a guy that understands – he wants to touch others and lift others up around him. Sure. He has that responsibility. Those are my three non-negotiables. That don't mean that's the way everybody should do it. But outside of that, you've got to be flexible and willing to, you know, I've had years where we had great runners. I've had years where we had guys that were strong armed. Sure. I've had years where, you know, whatever. And uh, I've had years where we had guys that could process unbelievably pre-snap and we let him run it. I've had years where we had guys that couldn't do it at all. We had to check everything for it. But uh, this, you know, like in the in the NFL Pro Bowl this last year, the average star rating for offensive positions was like 3.0. OK, yeah. the average star rating for defensive players was like 4.2. OK, so my thought is it's so much harder to evaluate offensive positions coming out of high school and the quarterback position has got to be the hardest, you know, like how do you find that process? Because my guess is in, in your years as a coach, you have not batted a thousand in signing guys that, you know, were rock stars at that position. How hard is it to evaluate those guys and what goes into the decision other than the, you know, the three things you just said, how do you figure out if a guy has it or he doesn't have it? Yeah, so obviously we've not batted a thousand. Uh, we have batted really well, though. That's why you got me on sure. the podcast. Sure. <laughs> because if you're not good there, you're not going to be. We've always, and I was D2 forever. So we had to find guys that had what I call one strike against them. Sure. Uh, like I said, toughness, the ability to impact others in a positive way, and then accuracy. Uh, 
because I don't think I say all the time, and I learned this from Willie Fritz, you know, I can't change 18 years of bad habits in, you know, a short amount of time I'm going to be with them. So a kid that's got a servant's heart is probably going to be that way. A kid that is mentally tough is probably going to be that way. And then accuracy, John, by the time I get them, I don't think I can fix it. I think I think there's kid walking around Nixa and Hattiesburg today that can pick up a rock and throw it and hit something and ones that can't. I, sure. I, I just I just do. Um, so after that, what we talk about here is we want a redeeming quality. That's how we term it. What is a redeeming quality? I've got no idea. You know, something that makes them stand apart. Uh, Lamar Jackson, we obviously know what his redeeming quality is. Okay. Uh, you know, like there, there's some kids that are six, five with rocket arms and are accurate and all that. There's some kids that can run. Uh, but we want a redeeming talent level that we can build the offense around in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and then, John, I, I'm a stickler on this. I missed early in my career on a kid that I didn't see throw in person, and I will never we, – we have to see them throw in person. They have yeah. to come to camp. If they don't yeah. come to camp, we're up front with them. If you don't come to our campus where I can work with you, because I'm the head coach now, I can't leave campus, then we're not going to take you as a quarterback. And that's fine. If you don't want to do that, you're just not going to play at Southern Miss. Sure. And uh, because when they come to camp, we see it come out of their hand. And also we can coach them and see how they respond to that. No doubt. And, uh, because, man, you know, Jim Harbaugh, when he was at Stanford, somebody asked him how life was going. He said he had a great wife and a great quarterback when he had Andrew Luck and, quarter and life was good. And that's really the truth, man. Like, Amen. it's the one position where you can't bend on. And uh, and uh, I, I think we're on track to uh, I think we're on a good spot here. Southern as a as a football coach, there's two things you must have to be successful. Number one is the best coach's wife in the world, and number two is a quarterback. Without yep. those two things, life's gonna be extremely tough. This is a question my wife wanted me to ask you. How has your family dealt with moving so much? Because in your profession. It happens. I mean, you've moved more than me, right? I mean, it just yeah. it is part of the world that you live in. How have they handled that, you know, from the kids to the wife? You know, it's funny you you asked me that because we actually talked to them about it and uh and I'm just honest with them about the positives and the negatives. You know, so my 12-year-old is we're fixing to hold him back. I'm a hold back guy. He makes sure. great grades. He's 4.0, but we 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 I'm, I'm a hold back guy. So he's gonna sure. repeat the sixth grade. Uh he just completed the fifth and sixth grade at pedal. And it's the first time in his life he ever finished a school year where he began it. Wow. So uh, but that's a negative, right? That's hard. But on the flip side of that is that sucker man. His name's Pete. We go try out a new church. And for all you people that have ever gone to a new church when you were a kid, and I had to do it moving too. Like that first day you go into a Sunday school class at a new church, like that's intimidating. Amen. Like those feelings in your stomach, those butterflies. Man, Pete Hall will bebop into a new Sunday school class like it ain't nothing. Because <laughs> he's done it. He's done it a million times. He's sure. been to more churches than he has schools. And he just knows when you go through things in life, one thing you learn through it all is, you know, everything's probably going to be all right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no doubt it's going to work out as long as I keep putting one foot in front of the other. And so uh, they're both, 
you know, really adaptable. They've learned that. The disadvantage is, and it hurts me, is I've always said my kids were know where they know where they're born, but they have no idea where they're from. And I am so prideful and thankful to be from Amory, Mississippi. Like I love Amory. I yeah. love everything. I love how I grew up and uh, getting them here. My oldest is about to go into the ninth grade. Uh, there's been some solidness to being here and uh, hopefully we can stay for a long, long time. Man, that is awesome. And I would, I would say you're going to be there as long as you want to be there. That's for sure. Um, let me ask you this. What do you do? You know, like I know you have the objective today to be a better you know, person, a better football coach, a better whatever than, you know, you were yesterday. What do you do on a daily basis, weekly basis or whatever to continue to be better? Guardian caps are lightweight, one size fits all football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows. Used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian Caps can help protect that helmet investment. Okay, so my year is segmented, but it's always the same. So... When we talk about continuing to be better, let's don't talk about the season, you know. So let's August to December is August to December. You know, you're sure. you're constantly you're 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 assessing day to day. One thing I try to do in those types in, during that part of the year, though, is every day is the same. Every Monday's the same. Every Tuesday's the same. Sure. Every Wednesday's the same. I try to eliminate every variable in my life as much as possible, even to the point of what I eat, you know, because like there's so many things going on with what we have to do. I need as much constants in my life as I can get. And it allows me then to handle whatever pops up and, and be, be, be able to attack it. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a deep rooted faith guy. Uh, I'm not one of those guys that's constantly trying to force my beliefs on others, but, uh, I lean on the Lord. I have my time. We've got a team chaplain. I surround myself with people that know what my goals and dreams are and are constantly have the uh, audacity to tell me if I'm wavering. Um, so that's the season. From January through spring ball starting, uh, I'm a big reevaluate uh, after action report the previous season. Uh, what did, did what what went as planned and what didn't go as planned, and how can we fix that moving forward? Uh, you know, where do we have to get better? So I'm reevaluating ourselves. Then, uh, man, I'm a football junkie. You know that, John. I'm, I'm I'll, I'll take about eight college football teams. We can get everybody's film in the world now with PFF. I'll take about eight college football teams, and I'll watch them offensively that were really good and do things that are similar to what we do. Uh, how do I find the time to do that? It's just what I do. My wife will tell you, I've got my iPad. When we sit, I'm a multitasker. When we sit and watch TV shows, I'll have my iPad out in front of me. And uh, I'm very into technology. I think technology allows you to be a better husband and father and still continue to grow. So that's what I do up until spring ball starts. Once spring ball starts, you're in the middle of spring ball again. It's kind of like the season. And then once that's over, 
after that, I jump into the NFL. I dive into some NFL teams that I want to study and know. And uh, I try to always have a six-month calendar for our staff. We try to stay a minimum of six months in advance so they know exactly what dates are coming so they can plan their lives and their vacations. And uh, that's me, man. I never I read all the time, but I never read fiction. I always sure. read something that's going to help me grow, and I'm always watching something that's going to help me grow. Sure. Let me ask you this. What, you know, you talk of reading, what, what's one or two books that you, you know, are, are, are your favorite or things that have influenced you the most? Yeah, probably my favorite book of all time is uh, Victor Frankel, you know, Man's Search for Meaning. Sure. I think it's unbelievable case study. I think it is the ultimate case study in you get to wake up every day and choose how you're going to attack the day. Sure. Uh, you know, man, everybody, like, I don't know if anybody had it harder than him and survived it. Amen. You know, what he had to live through with, uh, you know, all that, I mean, so that's number one. Uh, number two, Bill Walsh's uh, book on leadership. Not the not the uh, book about how to run a program, but the book sure. about leadership. Uh, life's uh, – the score takes care of itself. Sure. Uh, I'm a big one on that. Jim Trussell, The Winner's Manual. Very good. Big on that. Those are books uh, I never read without a highlighter uh, because – for some reason, when I highlight something in a book, I can kind of remember where it was and I can go back to. I've since created a Google Drive. I do everything on Google Drive. So if I am if I listen to a podcast or I hit or I read something, I can immediately pull up on my phone or my iPad and go to my Google Drive and I can type it in uh, under a category I've got it categorized up by our core values and other things to where I can use it later with our team. So anytime I learn something that can be valuable, I'm categorizing it automatically. The way I never awesome. lose it. That's awesome. And, uh, that's something I've learned through the years too. I wish I'd have been doing 20 years ago. There's so many things that I've learned that I can't, I can't go sure. back and grab, Sure. you know, and uh, trying to make sure you're never just doing something just to do it. You're always doing it and filing it where you can use it for later. Awesome. One of the things that I thought about when you said, you know, the Victor Frankel deal and when you talk about, you know, you're moving around and what your kids grasp from that is how we view the cup is 100 percent on us. You know, that joker can be half full or half empty. You know, it's up to the operator of the mind to figure that out. And, you know, I choose the half full, you know, and the Victor Frankel book was my, you know, was my favorite that I've ever read, too, as far as. You know, if I think I'm having a bad day, eh, my day's not quite so bad. You know, that dude had it as bad as anybody. Um, and then the Jim Trussell book, I actually got that recommendation from you. So, you know, it was fantastic, too. Like, it's a master class in how to run a program. All right, we're, yeah. we're getting um, short on time. I got uh, two questions. Okay. Number one, what are some of the qualities you look for in assistant coaches? Yeah. Okay. So number one, number one is uh intelligence. Uh, I, I you know I I think that they've either and intelligence comes in two forms. Number one, they've either got to be a master at the trade you are hiring them for, and you know you're going to leave them at that trade, or they got to be a highly intelligent human being 
and you can teach them whatever you're wanting to teach them. Okay. But if you hire somebody that's not intelligent and all of a sudden you've got to move them out of the trade that they know you're creating, you're not that, 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 and then they fail. That's not their fault. That's your fault. Okay. So intelligent comes in two forms. They're either a master of their craft or they are super smart and you can train them in what you want. That's number one, because you got to be able to do the job. Number two is character. Uh, and, and, And for me, it's just, you know, do they treat others the way they would want to be treated? You know, because we're all a part of something whole, you know, we're all a part of something bigger. So I want people that embrace that and want to lift others up, but also understand that if we quit playing football tomorrow at Southern Miss, they'd still go to school here and they'd rock on like it sure. wasn't, you know what I mean? So sure. intelligence, character, and then number three is initiative. Uh, you got to be a self-starter to work at Southern Miss. You've got to be a person. You know, I want people that are, you know, I want people that if they're sitting there and there's no problems to address right now, then they're thinking about what problems can they prevent from happening. Sure. You know, and uh, so that's my three. You know, I've actually got a whole present. That's my three. And uh, if I we, we get, the, I don't bend on those, sure. you know, and then you start dealing with things depending on the job that you can, that you can live with or not live with. Well, this is the last question. This one should be easy. Before we started recording, we were talking about vacation and you was talking about how, you know, the vacation in the summertime is a little iffy because your mind's, you know, your mind's at Southern Miss and your mind is, you know, and I, I get it. Okay. What makes you happy? You know, like if you had to fill in the blank, I am happy when give me the things that make you happy. <laughs> yeah. You know me well enough to know this is actually true. Uh, I, I'm one of the very few people on planet earth that is legitimately happily married. <laughs> me and my wife are like really, really love each other. So like, what makes me happy is like today, I'm going to get home. We're going to grill some food. We're probably going to have a drink or two. We're going to sit by the pool. We're going to listen to good music. And I just enjoy being around happy people having a big time. I do. You know, uh, I don't like being around people that are negative. Uh, So I love being on the water, whether it's on a boat or at the beach. I love being at a concert. I love being at a bar. I love being with my staff. Uh, I, you know, those things. And then, man, I love being around our players. I, I'm one of the few head coaches in the world, probably I go to workouts and I don't go, I don't run the workout. I, I don't yeah. even mess with the workout. I just like being around them. I like laughing at them when they mess up. I like hugging them when they do good. Um, so I am a, I'm a people guy. Uh, but the only thing that the, the thing that gets me most down to flip the question is I've an intense drive to never be the guy that lets somebody down. Uh, anytime I feel like I'm in a situation where I'm about to not come through for somebody sure. or not meet the expectation level of what they need, that that hurts me. So, uh, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How do you, you know, when you get that feeling? Because we all get that feeling. You know, like that's, I mean, that's a normal feeling for anybody that leads anything in this world. What do you do? to bypass over overrule that thought like how do you get past that number one you got to look at it head on you got to attack it no problem's ever been solved by turning the other cheek I, I believe that with all my heart man and like i my coaches man they give me heck all the time because they say we're the over communication nation here <laughs> and uh 
because I tell them all the time, you know, nobody's ever had a great relationship with somebody. And when they look back on it, they said, you know what? I had a great relationship with them. We just over-communicated. We just communicated too much. And so, you know, anytime you feel like there's about to be an expectation level that's not met, I think you got to hit it head on. And and it's usually better to hit it head on -on one-on-one than it is in front of people because people get defensive, people get embarrassed. But if two people can sit down and look each other in the eye and say, man, here's where I don't feel like we're getting it done. Uh, and what can I do to help fix it? And then what, here's what I think you can do to fix it. And, and, and man, usually, usually, usually people, people want to please their boss naturally. People want to, kids want to please their parents. Kids want to please their coach. Uh, employees sure. want to please their boss. So if they can just know where they're, what's needed. I think uh, sometimes those conversations are hard and they're not fun, but five days after they're over, everybody's better for it. No doubt about it. Well, Will Hall, what a, what a treasure this has been. What a pleasure. I'm truly blessed. Southern Miss football to the top. I would suggest everybody tune in and watch Southern Miss play. Southern Miss will play football in such a manner that when you get through watching them play, you'll want to be a better human yourself. They're going to play the game the way it's supposed to be played. You make me proud to be from Mississippi. You are Mississippi made. There's no doubt about that. And that's the reason, one of the reasons why you will continue to be as successful as you are at Southern Miss. So I would suggest everybody turn in to uh, tune in to Southern Miss football. They are going to be outstanding, led by a fantastic human, somebody that I'm fortunate enough to call a friend. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your schedule. Probably miserable for you, but it's going to be a pleasure for everybody that gets to listen. Thank you very much, Will. All right. I appreciate it, John. Thank a lot of you. And uh, like you said, man, Southern Miss to the top, baby. Amen.